Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And I've I've sent out some notices about uh, what we might be talking about today. And I've been <laughs> running around answering emails and and sending people links and communicating with people all over the country to uh, in both private and on the network. The network is where everybody can pitch in and help answer a lot of these questions about the gospel of the kingdom that most people are completely oblivious to today. There's a lot of people out there who think that they are Christians because they have formulated in their mind a doctrine, which they call a Christian doctrine. And there are thousands of preachers out there, tens of thousands of uh, books and articles and opinions about Christ. And everybody's entitled to their opinion about Christ, but the opinion of Christ is what makes the difference. There's a lot of images of Jesus out there that are false images of Jesus, and people are worshiping those images in the form of doctrines. They have these memorized or uh, analyzed doctrines of Jesus Christ and they believe in those doctrines and they think that is the same as believing in Jesus Christ because they believe in an image of Christ that they have formulated out of their own minds or with the help of the minds of scholars and preachers and pastors and what have you. Your opinion of Christ doesn't mean anything, has no value whatsoever. It's just your opinion. It's only when you actually conform to what Christ and who Christ really was that salvation can be obtained. You can tell me you believe in Jesus all you want, and that doesn't make it so. You believe in something you call Jesus, and it may be right, it may be wrong. Chances are, it's not 100% right, (laughs) and odds are against you, simply because most people... The world would not be the world we see today if everybody really who claims to believe in Jesus actually did believe in Jesus. And that's that's just fundamental. And it is also what Jesus taught that many will claim to know Jesus, say they are coming in Jesus' name, say that they are doing their work in Jesus' name. And he doesn't know them. As a matter of fact, uh, he, he will call them workers of iniquity and tell them to get away from him. Now, he didn't say a few. He said many. 
And then we're told over and over again by Peter and Paul and and others that that we're going to be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. We're going to become merchandise. We're going to we're going to um, curse our children with with evidently with debt because of our covetous practices. We're told that's what's going to happen. And that we would go back into the bondage of Egypt, which has always been a problem with mankind. We were literally in the similar bondage under Nimrod. It's what Cain was setting up in his first city-state. It's what the Israelites started setting up with the golden calf. You know, we think, well, we don't worship a golden calf. But all the golden calf was was a centralized bank. It was a way in which to store their wealth in a common way. They had something else that they passed amongst themselves as as if it was money. And uh, all their gold and silver, which represents portable wealth, it actually represents land. You can't literally buy land without paying some sort of substance. And usually that meant silver. It did with Abraham. Or maybe silver and gold. This is, but nobody buys land that way anymore. Therefore, nobody owns the land. Just by common sense, you you give somebody else's note and you think you own the land. No, you don't. And we explain this in great detail, but we're not going to go into that today. But the fact is, you don't own your land. You don't own your labor. You don't own your children. Your children are in debt, born in debt, cursed with debt. And all this is because you think you believe in Jesus and you don't believe in the real Jesus. You believe in some aspects of his character. But if I told you, you know, if I, if I told you something in a, a sentence or maybe even a paragraph where I told you six things that are true, all related, but the seventh thing was a lie, not true, then isn't the whole statement a lie? I mean, if it's a single statement, isn't the whole statement a lie? Because something wasn't true. So if you tell me you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in all of Jesus, all the aspects of his character, all of what he said to do, then you don't really believe in Jesus. You believe in an image of Jesus that you have carved out with your personal doctrine, usually with the help of other pastors, preachers, and and pontiffs. That's not a Christian. A Christian believes in the whole Jesus, the whole truth. If you believe in only part of the truth, you believe a lie. Because without the whole truth, what you have left is a lie. Because most, most good lies have lots of truth in them, but they leave something out. And that's what modern Christendom has done today. And that's why the world's in the mess that it's in. It's not the Illuminati. It's not the Rosicrucians. It's not the Jews. It's not the... Who else do we got? Freemasons. It's not these guys that are the problem. It's the fake Christians that are the problem. Now, you know, a lot of fake Christians 
they're they're Christian in many ways. I mean, they do a lot of things the way Christians would do it. They may not be far from the kingdom of God. But if they think they're already there because they believe in Jesus, but their view of Jesus is not complete, then they're not really Christians. They may be close to the kingdom of God, but they have to continue to strive. Unfortunately, preachers are there to make you think you've already arrived. You're already saved. You already believe uh, in Jesus. Therefore, you're already saved and there's nothing you can do which is a satanic gospel. It's not what you do that saves you, but it's your faith in the real Jesus. And the faith in the real Jesus, the whole Jesus, the whole truth, will set you free. Will will make you whole again. You cannot be whole. You cannot be perfected in Christ unless you accept the whole of Jesus Christ. And people are not doing that. They're not accepting the whole of Jesus Christ. That They're actually accepting something a lot less. So anyway... I said I was going to talk about being as wise as the the serpent and as harmless as the dove. And um, I mentioned Samuel Garad, who is a Amish fellow, who made a, a chickweed, chickweed salve and was arrested for this after being warned and tried and has been sentenced to six years in prison because he made this chickweed salve. And people are all up in arms. Uh, Richard Mack uh, was there at the trial, and he was complaining about. It. I know Richard. I've I've talked to Richard. We've had long conversations where he whispered in my ear some things that he doesn't say in public. <laughs> but he's a nice guy. He's kind of a constitutional sheriff oriented guy. But he doesn't get it. I mean. He's not far from the kingdom in many ways. He's courageous. He's charitable. Uh, he's, you know, he's sincere. But he doesn't quite get it. Uh, I met him at a conference with uh, uh, another fellow, uh, Peter Kershaw. Uh, Peter Kershaw was putting on a conference uh, uh, concerning, you know, I guess we could say the uh, free church, but he was actually, he was focused on the unregistered church. And this is what a lot of guys do. They want to know if they don't want to be a registered 501c3 church and they think that's it. That's key. No, that's not it. That's not key. You can actually be a registered 501c3 church and closer to the kingdom than some of the unregistered 501c3 churches that I have seen. <laughs> so, and to give you an example, I mean, you could be a Roman centurion and be closer to faith in Christ than many of the devout Protestant ministers I have seen over the years. The measuring stick of Christ is Christ himself. 
How much like Christ yourself are you? And Christ laid down his life for his fellow man. He was forgiving even when they were pounding nails into his body. I don't know that everybody listening to the sound of my voice can say the same. I I wouldn't dare uh, say that I could. I hope I could. And I know with the strength of God that is possible. But I cannot conjure up that strength with my own mental commitment. The commitment to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness is not a mental choice. It's not done with your mind. Your mind should follow your heart and your soul. Is your soul willing to lay down its life for your fellow man? In the course of the trial, uh, Garad, who had made this chickweed salve, which a lot of people, uh, evidently uh, Richard Mack uses it, his wife uses it, and uh, a lot of other people use it. I've heard of other people who use it. And uh, he was arrested for it, you know, because of a complaint by the Food and Drug Administration, because he didn't receive proper approval. But in his paperwork, he writes, I am not a creation of state government. As such, I am not within its jurisdiction. Well, that's an interesting statement. And of course, now we'll talk about some of the people who commented to an article that I looked at, but was brought to my attention by uh, one of the people in the general network. Those words were written by Samuel Garrod in a document filed with the Kentucky Federal Court back in June. And uh, Garrod is an Amish farmer, as I mentioned already, and was uh, convicted in March of selling herbal health products and and reported to the Lexicon... Uh, and this was reported by the uh, Lexington Herald uh, Leader, which is a paper back there, uh, that one of the problems with his product was that they were not adequately labeled as required by federal law. Now, a lot of people said that, you know, I'm, I'm not questioning the fact that there was injustice done here. The idea of sending somebody to jail for selling a chickweed salve, which all the ingredients are available to anybody. Yeah, and it could possibly cause a rash if someone had an allergy to chickweed. And, and But almost anything you buy in the store, I mean, peanut butter can cause a rash if you're allergic to peanuts. But that's not an FDA-approved drug. <laughs> it's just peanuts. <laughs> and people who are allergic to nuts could develop a rash. So, I mean, that didn't mean anything. It wasn't proved in court. And uh, so that's really irrelevant. Now, there were supposed to be some claims made in the course of his advertising about what this chickweed salve could do. 
But what really, what is the crux of the problem? Well, before we go on to that, let's let's look back at the sentencing a man to six years in jail for not having adequate labels on his uh, the product that he is producing and selling. What's that going to cost the American people to put him in jail for six years? Uh, you know, we're talking $50,000 a year, maybe thirty-five if he goes to a really cheapo prison, but it's going to cost a lot of money. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Is that just... Well, everybody talks about being just for Garad. Is that just for the American people that they're going to have to shell out hundreds of thousands of dollars? Probably they already have because of the cost of the case. Because this guy didn't have adequate labels on his chickweed. Sav. I don't think that's just. Uh, because you're putting your children more... Because the government operates on borrowed money, which everybody knows. Anybody who's seen the news knows that the government borrows money on a regular basis, always increasing the debt. We've got to borrow more money to run the government. It's all running on borrowed money, which, of course, is not keeping the Sabbath. It's the opposite of keeping the Sabbath. We've got people running around thinking they're keeping the Sabbath by taking a Saturday off or some day off that they calculate up by the calendar. Meanwhile, everybody's operating in debt. And the Sabbath is about not being in debt. Working six days and then taking your day of rest. Debt is about taking your day of rest and owing six days of labor. <laughs> See? And that's really what it's about, but people miss that. Because they're straining at gnats and swallowing camels. They're not following the way of Christ, the way of God. They're following some sort of doctrine they've imagined in their head. Oh, we've got the right calendar and the right day and everybody else. They don't have the right day. They're not doing what God said. But they're not doing what God said. As a matter of fact, they're, because they won't come together and create a community operating by faith, hope, and charity, and they got a million excuses why not to operate by faith, hope, and charity. Uh, you know, like, oh, tithing's been done away with, or tithing is only animal products and animal byproducts. <laughs> it's insane. The, the kingdom of God operated with free will offerings. It was a voluntary society of moral people who cared about their neighbor as much as they cared about themselves and knew the only way they could really practice that caring was to come together in linked congregations. How do you link thousands of congregations? Congregations need to be small. You know, ten families, which could be several hundred people if you count a family as grandpa and his uh, sons and his unmarried daughters. It's easy for every grandpa to have ten to twenty to even thirty or forty or fifty people under the care of his family. Because he's, he's the head of a family. He's the elder of the family. He's the oldest of the family. That's what elder means. That's what it meant in the Old Testament. It's what it means in the New Testament. 
That's an elder. Someone who is the head of a family. The oldest father of a family. And no one is sui juris if their father is still alive. And I've seen Gerard's father. Gerard's father, he's an old guy. Walks with a cane, got a long Amish beard and everything. But you can't be in the, in Roman law when people were claiming he was sui juris. You can't be sui juris as long as your father still lives. And of course, there's almost nobody who's sui juris. Probably the Amish come closer to it. But no one is sui juris as long as the state is their father. And that, of course, is what's happened. Is you have called the state your father and you eat at his table with great appetite for benefits. And those there are some who say, I won't take any of their benefits. But they won't set the table of the Lord. They won't gather together in a network of congregations to set the table of the Lord. They aren't sending out ministers to rightly divide the bread from house to house. And most of them are not even casting their bread upon the waters. They are not seeking the kingdom of God. They're just seeking to go off and do their own thing and imagine that they believe in Jesus. Right out of the box, the Christian community, the union and discipline of the Christian community, which was organized into these small congregations linked together by a team of ministers just like the Levites who received the sacrifices of the people and then rightly divided those sacrifices, that bread from house to house, to take care of the needy of their society. They met every week, and those that had shared with those that didn't have enough, and they knew who didn't have enough because they were all congregating in congregations, choosing ministers who were linked together to share that communion, that common union, that common bread through faith, hope, and charity. That's what they were doing. If you're not doing that, if you're off in your little groupy group, or maybe you're not even got a group, maybe you got a little tiny Bible study somewhere, and you're not linked together with the people in Australia who are listening to this recording or this broadcast, through a team of ministers who have given up everything in order to serve the people, serve the flock, to be the shepherds of the flock of Christ, then you haven't arrived yet at the kingdom of God. You're not a part of the kingdom of God. You're just out there doing your own thing. Now, Samuel Gerard is probably a humble man by many ways, according to Richard Mack. He's a stubborn guy. And I know Richard, he's probably wanting Garad to say certain things a certain way. He's a constitutionalist. And we'll get to some of that when we go into some of the comments concerning this article. I was amazed at the number of people I knew making comments in that article. There's at least three people I know <laughs> are making comments to that article. Which is actually kind of scary because you start thinking, well, how many of us are out there? I don't even know if we can come up with 144,000. <laughs> Especially if all you guys are still operating as a scattered flock. And believe me, I know what a scattered flock is like. But even without a scattered flock, there's always somebody wandering off. Anyway, we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, we're going to try to get through the basic gist of this. And people aren't going to like what I'm going to tell you next. But uh, there will be people who don't like it. But you think about it. Just the other day, just yesterday as a matter of fact, in the evening, somebody was here talking about uh, people that, you know, they hire a lot of people and they have to pass a drug test a lot of them because a lot of the people they hire are have to have a cdl which is a commercial driver's license and if you have a cdl they have to pass a drug test he personally doesn't care whether somebody smokes marijuana or because he actually had an employee he saw buying marijuana once and he 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 teased the employee by pulling up next to his vehicle and and when the guy came out he he shouted, what are you doing here? You know, and the guy was, oh, like, uh, very nervous and everything because he was buying, evidently, some sort of marijuana product at one of the local stores here in Oregon. And he was just joking, the guy, because that guy doesn't have a CDL. He works for him, but he doesn't have a CDL, so he doesn't. he's not subject to drug testing because that's not the kind of work that he does. And uh, he's a pretty sober, hard-working guy and everything, but evidently he was very uh, interested in trying out some of the marijuana. And this idea of smoking marijuana, to me, I have absolutely no interest in smoking it. I know that the oils can be medicinal, but I know a lot of things could be medicinal that people should probably not consume unless they were in need of it. And then if they were in need of it, they should be questioning, why do I need this external product in order to deal with this problem, this medical or health issue? Because there may be other causes. Almost every health issue has more than one cause. And... Also, if we're really Christians, how come we can't heal those? I mean, Christ wasn't going around getting, uh, buying products. Oh, you know what you need? You need this. You need six grams of this or two ounces of this daily. Uh, try this and call me in the morning. He was just healing them, period. So these are all questions that you have to ponder if you really want to find an answer. You know, why do I need this? But the point is, when we were talking about this, is I don't really care if they legalize marijuana. I don't care if they legalize cocaine or heroin. Uh, if I think those things are stupid, in most cases, they're absolutely no value medically. And, uh, you know, health-wise, they're often a detriment. I and mean, he was pointing out that he knew guys who smoked, but they that didn't lead to another drug, and it didn't uh, it didn't cause uh, violence, uh, didn't cause them to have accidents on the highway. Uh, while alcohol does, he sees alcohol every day causing accidents on the highways. Well, he doesn't see marijuana doing that, but he does see marijuana causing people to lose their job. Because they don't come into work. They can't apply themselves. They don't apply themselves to their family. And their family breaks down. And relationships break down. Because they're all obsessed with smoking marijuana. He says he's seen that many times. 
You know, I mean, they don't smoke all the time, but they have these periods where they smoke a lot. And then it causes them to often have bad eating habits. Or it, 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 it contributes to their bad eating habits, let's put it that way. And that, so, but that could be with all kinds of things that will cause you to do that. Video games. I've seen guys neglecting their family because they're always playing video games. <laughs> and actually neglecting self-improvement. I actually have uh, statistics on the number of games. I don't know if I have that available right now. But somebody was telling me I don't, I don't want to quote it. I'll, I'll do a whole show on it eventually here. But um, uh there's a video game that's just recently come out. Uh, a, a new version of it has come out, but it's actually an old game. It's been around for a long time. Millions of millions of people play it. But they're talking about the number of hours that people play that video game. And it's it's like thousands of years of uh, of people's lives are consumed by this video game. Now, of course, we're dealing with millions of people, but some people are playing the video game for 10, 20 hours a week or more, in some cases. That, you know, I, I, I know a guy who lost his job because he was a farm worker and he was supposed to be out there cutting hay and baling hay and... uh he was pretty much on his own most of the time, running big machinery. And uh, he would quit after like seven and a half hours and go home. And uh, first thing he did when he got home, I was there working uh, on the building that he lived in. First thing he did is go over there and fire up a video game. And the rest of the time I was working there, hanging doors and stuff, he just played video games. And I heard the rancher call up and was talking to him about the field. And he says, oh, yeah, I only stayed there about seven and a half hours today because this bouncing on that machine just took too much. Well, I know the owner of the ranch. He works 12, 13, 14, 15 hour days on a regular basis. He doesn't go in and play video games. Well, he needed a worker who was a little bit more dedicated and the video game was dividing his attention. So these are all problems, but that's not really the issue here. Where the issue with... Um, I don't really care about the FDA, and because I think the FDA is approving all kinds of things that are actually extremely detrimental to your health. But people want to take these things. They have faith in their doctors, and they want to do that. And that's, that's their choices. They make all kinds of choices I think are really bad for you and not going to draw you near the kingdom of God or the healing power of the kingdom of God. But what is, what, what is the real crooks of the problem? And often, sometimes the judges will tell you in a roundabout sort of way. And the fact is, the way this case is presented in the media, they kind of skip it, but it's in there. It's in the context of the story. In this particular story, writes, and according to the government, the Amish man broke the law by growing, processing, and bringing to market his own herbal supplement without FDA approval. Okay, 
he has a right to grow chickweed and all the other ingredients that he has. He has a right to process those ingredients. That's a natural right. He can process that. Nobody's arresting him because he was growing and processing. They complained because he brought it to a market. What market did he bring it to? That's a very important question to ask. U.S. News reported that Garad manufactured salve and skin treatments, one of which the FDA claims could be harmful to the skin. Didn't have to prove it because that wasn't essential. It just claimed it. Garad claimed one extract could help cure cancer. Well, I could claim that fresh fruit and vegetables will help cure cancer. Nobody's going to arrest me. I can claim that uh, cutting meat out of your diet for three weeks, four weeks out of the year, twice a year maybe, will help keep you safe from cancer. I could tell you also to not ingest chemical hormones, etc., etc., uh, that are in common everyday meat. Don't eat uh, meat that's uh, GMO produced. Uh, don't eat vegetables that are GMO. Uh, that that will be healthier for you and help you keep clean of cancer. Nobody's going to arrest me for that. But if I were to create a product and advertise that and take it to a particular market, and I'm, that's the emphasis here, I could get into trouble. And Because this is what I told the guy who was talking about the marijuana, which is why I went into that story, is that I don't care whether somebody legalizes marijuana and smokes marijuana, but if they're giving it to my... 10-year-old daughter, they're going to answer me. The common law may kick in. And I'm going to come up and rub shoulders with that individual. And they're not going to do that anymore. Because they have no right to sell it to my minor children. Because they're under this father. This household. They don't have a right to bring their products into my house and sell it to my underage children. And not not just age, it could be competency. Say I had a child that was 30 years old, but he was not, you know, he was mentally impaired. Do I have a right to come and talk Uh, your mentally impaired child into eating stuff I think is good for them or do I have to go through you? Do I have to check with you? Because you're the one in charge of that mentally impaired child. I mean, you're taking care of them. You're providing for them. And somebody else is going to come in and tell them, oh, you don't have to eat this stuff. You should eat this stuff. Do I have a right to stop that individual from doing it? You bet. Don't I? I mean, he's feeding my children stuff, I think, will do them harm. And, you know, the fact is, is there's a lot of evidence 
that marijuana to underage children, you know, will impair their development. It's different when you're older. But to the underage children, I think that marijuana can be very distracting to the natural thinking processes of even older people. But I also know that there are some medicinal values, especially to the oils, that can help deal with issues like cancer, like uh, uh, Parkinson's, uh, lots of things, a lot of uh, seizures. I mean, you can give the oil to some kids that are having seizures, and it will stop the seizure. And if you don't stop the seizure, it could kill them. Now, Jesus' hands upon that child could stop the seizures and cure them and have them arise and walk. The hem of his garment could do that. The virtue in him could do that. You can ask yourself why you don't have the virtue to cure that child. In the meantime, you may have to give something that stops the seizure or the child will die. I mean, it's like, you know, a child needs to learn to swim, but while he's drowning, you may need to go out there in a boat and pull him up in the boat, okay? You may have to use artificial means until he can learn to it, to swim or maybe even walk on water. <laughs> You're going to have to help him. So I have no objection to those artificial means if that's necessary. But you should always be asking yourself, why haven't I already taught this child how to swim? Why haven't I, you know, why don't I have the ability to help this child overcome its problem? But the point of this is, Garad was warned that he could not sell this stuff in a particular market that he continued to sell it in. I'm not disputing the fact six years is unjust. I think six years is unjust. It's unjust to the American people who are going to have to pay for his incarceration. It's unjust to Garad's family. And it, it may even be unjust to Garad. But he thought that it was okay for him to sell to the children of the state. And I am saying that. Children of the state. To people who depend upon the state. Who are registered with the state as children of the state. Under parents patria of the state. And often are dependent upon the state if they have a medical malady if they become incapacitated uh, because they do ingest something that injures them. I don't have to prove to the drug dealer that his drugs could injure my children. I just catch him selling drugs to my children and I can put a stop to it. One way or another. I can put a stop to him selling into my family stuff that I think, I believe, is harmful. He may not believe that they're harmful, but I believe it. I can stop him from selling. And that by any means necessary, I can stop him. I have that right as the father of that family. That's natural rights in action. Now, if the state has become your father, they have a right to stop anybody, whether they're sui juris or not, from coming in and selling products to the children of the state. 
by any means necessary. Now, those means should be no greater than the harm that is under threat. I mean, like if someone says, I'm going to hit you with this feather, you can't pull out a gun and shoot him. You know, you can pull out another feather. (laughs) I mean, whatever. You have to be, there has to, it should be a real threat there. But he, they don't have to prove the threat. They're not shooting Garad. They're saying, you've got to stop selling this stuff. And they warned them to our children, to our citizens, to the marketplace of our people. And he didn't. I mean, back in 2013, they were disputing this and he kept doing it. He has a right to do what he wants, but he doesn't have the right to do what he wants with another man's children. And the fact is, these people have become children of the state. Now, whose fault is it? Have they, you know, and if you, you want to know more about that, read our article, listen to our videos, listen to our audios on Call No Man Father. Jesus said, Call No Man Father. Why? Because you become a child of Caesar when you do that. You become a child of Caesar. And Caesar has a right to protect his own. And you need to understand that. Everybody's up in arms. I I would, if I was Caesar, I would not do the things the way, you know, the FDA does them. I would not do things the way that uh, Judge Reeves, who is the judge in this case, uh, did them, Danny Judge Danny Reeves, during the sentencing uh, hearing uh, back, uh, I think it was two Fridays ago, he was told by Garad, I do not consent. Doesn't matter whether you consent or not. You consent in your mind that it's okay to sell to another man's children stuff you think they should consume. You don't have that natural right. And the people that he was selling to are the children of the state. And we'll get more into that when we look at some of the uh, comments from some of the people I know. Mac goes on, Richard Mac uh, goes on to say, they created a felon today out of a good law-abiding citizen, uh, said this Arizona sheriff of civil rights activist Richard Mack. The reality is, is Garad, with all his good intentions, doesn't realize that he is selling to the children of the state. He was at risk doing that. Now, I'll, I'll tell you a real quick story here. I knew a, of a guy. I didn't ever meet the guy. I, I met the little girl uh, before. And I won't say any names, but there was a little girl living in a town not too far away from here. And this was a long time ago. This is like horse and buggy days. And uh, her father was so-called itinerant preacher. He had a couple of children. Lived in a little house. Not a very nice house, but it, it was a house. And uh, he would abuse that child. Scream and yell and Banker, she was just a little tiny girl, and lock her in a little like cold closet. It wasn't a cold closet, but it's little like a 
cupboard in, in the dark. And she would just cry and cry and cry. And he was just abusive. And one day, the guy who lived across the street from him got up, walked over there, walked into the preacher's house, opened up the cupboard door, picked up the little girl, and took her back across to his house. Didn't say anything. Just took that child out of that house or that guy was being abusive. Short time later, the guy moved out of town and left the little girl behind. Never confronted the guy who came and took the little girl out of the house. He just, the guy took another man's child out of the house. Took it over to his house. Didn't beat anybody up in doing it. Did it in broad daylight, but he just did it. That child was raised as the daughter of the man who came and took her out of the house. In violation of natural law. (laughs) But somehow or other, he had the power to do that. Without confrontation, the, the, the minister never even came over and tried to get the child back. He just left town without his child. Never to be seen or heard of again. How could that be? There are more afoot here than people realize. And why don't they realize? Why don't they have the power to deal with these situations? What should Garad have really been doing? Should he have been taking things to the marketplace of another man's household? And selling these commodities in another man's household? If the commodities were really helpful... Could he have gone about it in a different way? A wiser way? You know, one of the first martyrs of Christendom was actually prosecuted for practicing medicine without a license. It was a dentist who was arrested and eventually executed for practicing medicine without a license. Because when people came to him, he was a devout Christian. When people came to him and he was looking in their mouth and their at their teeth, which he was licensed to do in Rome at that time, and Bergamont is where actually where he lived. I think it's that's the name of the town. People would be healed of other ailments because he was leaning over them and and looking in their mouth and trying to find out where their dental problem was. And uh, and they would be healed of other ailments in his presence. And soon the news got around that this guy was just going to him for any kind of tooth problem. Other things would be healed. Not with for everybody, but this, these stories were coming out of those people who t- came to him. And so people were coming to him without dental problems and wanting him to lay hands on them. And eventually he was arrested because Bergamot happened to be kind of the head of the the center of the AMA of that day. As a matter of fact, there was a university there that teach, taught medicine had the same symbol as the present AMA symbol <laughs> that we see out there, you know, with the... Uh, the twisty lines around the stake kind of thing. Um, they had that same symbol, but 
he was charged with practicing medicine without a license because people were coming in to get healed for things that were not dental related. Because he was healing them. And the news got out. And so he that was an executable offense. A lot of offenses by that time in Rome had become executable. But there's a wiser way to do this. And this is what we, we're going to need to look at. And we need to be wise enough to see that other way. And we'll talk about that when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, we're talking about being as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. And and Christ was telling us all kinds of things. Somebody said the other day that uh, I never talk religion or politics. But the reality at church. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is Jesus was one of the most political figures of his time. I mean, he was so dang political, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, he was claimed to be the king. And he, although a lot of you people who think you know the gospel, it says, well, his kingdom was not of this world. And you're thinking on this planet at this time, setting up a kingdom. He, he says, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. I'm going to appoint it to another. We see him telling the group it is my good pleasure to appoint unto you a kingdom and then he says I appoint unto you a kingdom but you're not to be like the princes of the Gentiles and lo and behold these guys go out and say there is another king one Jesus and this is our government and this is how it works and it works by faith hope and charity and the perfect law of liberty we don't have taxes we have tithes and they if they didn't have tithes where were they getting the bread to rightly divide from house to house they were getting it because people were giving it to them and giving them the means by which to... Did everybody bake bread and send it with Paul and Barnabas to these other places to take care of the needy of those societies? No, they they took up a collection of money. Oh, they only took up a collection of animal byproducts. <laughs> the people who say, oh, tithing is only when we give fruit of the field. <laughs> so... He, Barnabas and <laughs> and Paul were taking, you know, grapes and <laughs> fruits of the field and sheep with them all the way to these other places like Galatia and Corinth. No, no, don't be silly, don't be absurd. If you're not gathering together in a network of charity, you're not seeking the kingdom of God very good. I mean, how in the world are, are ministers 
that you have now, rightly dividing the bread. Oh, I give to neighbors who have needs. I, you know, I take food down to the food bank and everything. That's not what Paul and Barnabas were doing. That's not what the early church was doing. That's not what the seven, Stephan and them were doing. They weren't telling everybody, everybody be nice to one another. Help out anybody you happen to stumble across that has a need. You know, but everybody can just go do their own thing. We'll get together for fellowship meetings and maybe some bike rides. Maybe we'll all go canoeing together. That's the way it sounds like on the unchurch group I've been on recently. Is that everybody, they talk about fellowship all the time. Fellowship of the early Christians was they took care of all social welfare for the needy of their society. They could sell chickweed salve in their society. But they might not be able to sell it in the Roman society. In that Roman communion, they may have had restrictions on it. Like I said, the the uh, the dentist from Bergamot was executed because he was accused of practicing medicine without a license. Now, I don't know if he did some mistakes, but the reality is persecution will come. But Gerard is not being persecuted. Well, it maybe is. There is an element of persecution there. Uh, they don't like it when somebody says, you're not my boss. And I understand that. I don't excuse it. And that's basically what he was saying. In, in his uh, statements to the judge... Uh, and, and what the judge said about it. He says, because he steadfastly refused to follow the law. And the law is, you cannot sell to my children any product that I don't approve of. That's the law. That's what the judge is saying. And Gerard thought, I can sell to them. You know, I, I can give them what I think is best for them. I can invade your family and tell you, but, the truth is, he probably could if he really had the power of God behind him. Like that guy who walked across the street and took that girl out of the cupboard. And took her over to her house. She just passed away here not too many years ago. Very old lady. <laughs> but uh, if people people don't understand how this works. Because their head is full of their own personal doctrines about Jesus. You're not supposed to believe in your doctrines about Jesus. You're supposed to believe in the real Jesus. And why couldn't Gerard see that he was selling to the children of the state? Selling in a marketplace. Advertising. In a marketplace. In a commercial marketplace. To those children. Of the state. Now people don't like to refer to themselves as children of the state. They don't. You know. I'm a man. I'm a man of God. And everything. You. It is not enough. That you do not want to take the benefits of the world. And the word world there is organized system, constitutional order, or system of government. And that's what Jesus' kingdom is not a part of that government of the world. 
It's separate from the world. And that's one of the reasons why you don't want to be a 501c3 uh, incorporated church. Because that puts you of the world. And Jesus' kingdom that he appointed to his apostles, who were ministers rightly dividing the bread from house to house, working in the temple daily, a government building. They didn't need the building, though. They had it at first. They were working in there daily. But eventually, within 30 years, Jerusalem fell. They didn't need that temple anymore. They didn't need that building because they had been building the temple of God in the hearts and minds of men who were coming together to take care of one another in a vast network of charity of people who are willing to sacrifice themselves for one another. Is that where you at? Is that what you're doing? Or are you just overdoing your own little thing, having your own little Bible study? With your own little doctrines, your little pet doctrines about the rapture or not the rapture or, or the Trinity or not the Trinity or whatever your little doctrine includes. Are you taking care of one another? Are you living by faith, hope, and charity and loving your neighbor enough to help him live by faith, hope, and charity? Are you getting... Uh, are your parents getting a Social Security check or are you getting a Social Security check? Because if you are, that money is borrowed against the future of your neighbor. You should be seeking a way of not depending on the tables of the kings of the world. You should be working, striving, struggling to create a fellowship of righteousness whereby you would never have to go to the tables of Caesar. Where you could take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity in a different system. A market of love and community. Common communion. That's where you should be. Now, Gerard actually is pretty close to that if he's Amish. But he was trying to sell in another man's household. He can sell to the Amish and I don't think he'd ever have any trouble. But he wasn't selling to the Amish. He was selling to the world. To a different market. And that's what got him into trouble. He he should have been wiser than that. But he didn't see the whole picture. And that's what you need to see is the whole picture. You need to accept the whole Christ. The whole way of the gospel. Of the kingdom. That kingdom is spiritual, but it is also physical. If you really believe in Jesus, you would be free indeed, not just free spiritually. Now, one fellow who was a uh, an attorney for Gerard, he's actually a kind of what they call a standby attorney because Gerard was representing himself. He was saying that this uh, punishment was harsher for Garad than it was for the average person because he's not, you know, he comes from a world without electricity, phones, concrete, and steel. Well, actually, they do have concrete and steel amongst the Amish at times. (laughs) 
But uh, they don't have electricity and they don't have phones, generally speaking. Sometimes they'll have a phone in the community. I know one place I saw a phone in the Amish community where they had it in a little building. Uh, it was just a little little kind of square building. And, you know, you probably get five people standing in there, maybe ten. And uh, had a phone in there. And anybody could go and use that phone if they needed to use a phone to communicate with the outside world. When they first built the building, it was just a door and a little tiny window. They eventually put in a big, huge window. So you could see everybody in the building. (laughs) So if somebody went up there and was talking on the phone, anybody who drove by, walked by, rode by, could see who was on the phone. It was just a way of bringing a little bit of police <laughs> to the Amish community so people didn't didn't want to be seen sitting on the phone for hours because that's idleness. So that was just a way the Amish deal with these problems. And that's fine. I don't, I'm not objecting to it. Just give you an idea. But I knew some other Amish fellows who, young men who got mischievous and did some vandalism to a neighbor they were disgruntled with, another Amish neighbor. And they were prosecuted for the for the vandalism and put in jail. Well, they were supposed to be in there for a couple of months or something. And uh, the sheriff let him out. And he said, and people complained that he just let him out. And he says, well, them guys will receive a harsher punishment uh, if I send them home than anything we can legally hand out (laughs) in jail. He says, these guys are getting three meals a day. They don't have to work. They can sleep as late as all the other prisoners. They can go to the rec room, play basketball, uh, watch TV. They never get any of this stuff at home. He says, they go back home, they'll be up at 4 o'clock working. <laughs> they won't be playing basketball. And and uh, they'll they'll be, the, the accommodations in the Amish community day to day are worse than anything you'll find in prison. Except they weren't really in prison, they were in a local jail. Prison is a little bit worse. We should do a program on what goes on in jails and prisons because I know people who, work in prisons. I know people who have been to prison. But anyway, some of the comments that came out of other people, uh, there was a Randy J who said, Liberty languages in its death throes before our very eyes. The government doesn't trust the citizens with the free exercise of their liberties and exemplifies it through the creation of insane numbers of insane laws and regulations which inhibit the active participation of ordinary citizens in a true capitalist free market. Well, you don't have capitalism in America. Capitalism is the... And I've had this discussion with them. Capitalism is the owning private ownership of the means of production. The major means of production in every case is the individual. Unless a person lives where 100% of his labor belongs to him, he does not live in a capitalist society. 
That's not capitalism. Plus, if he produces something, there has to be a commodity money available to him in which to enter into the marketplace. If we're talking about capitalism as a free market, he has to have a money system that is based on a commodity value, an intrinsic value. Don't have that in America. Haven't really had that for almost a hundred years. So you don't live in a capitalist society. You live in something that is emulating capitalism. You know, it's it's not it's not capitalism. It's 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 not virtuous capitalism either. It's a virtual uh, fake capitalism. <laughs> so anyway. And as far as ordinary citizen, the ordinary citizen in America depends upon social security, unemployment, welfare, food stamps, everything in times of need. In times of need, the ordinary citizen will go to the government, take care of my parents with social security, take care of my children's free education, take care of my health care. The ordinary citizen, that's what they are doing. The ordinary citizen is taking a bite out of their neighbor. The ordinary citizen is borrowing against the future of their neighbor and their neighbor's children in order to get benefits at the expense of their neighbor. That's the ordinary citizen. Such people should be under tribute and should and will fall under the tyranny of others because they themselves are tyrants. They may go to church. They may sing songs. They may have fellowship. They may talk about Jesus. But the ordinary citizen in America is a tyrant taking a bite out of his neighbor so that he can be comfortable while his neighbor suffers. The ordinary citizen in America is indulging in covetous practices that make him merchandise. And his masters can regulate, arrest, and incarcerate anybody who tries to sell their children, their citizenry, stuff they do not like. It should not be that way, but you have made it that way because you have not been seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And like I said, refusing to eat at the table of Caesar is not agreeing to set the table of Christ. You need to set the table of Christ. Not scatter breadcrumbs behind you for those who want to follow you and hang around you can get a few breadcrumbs now and then from you. You need to think kingdom. Christ didn't say, okay, everybody's free, just go do your own thing. He appointed a group of ministers that he trained up that consisted of at least 120 names that went out and preached the kingdom on Pentecost, which is when Israel was customarily organizing the people from the bottom up in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. That's what they were doing at Pentecost. Thousands of people were not just getting wet by baptism. 
They were becoming a part of congregations, and their union and discipline frightened the Roman government because they were together. They were taking care of one another. Even under the heavy persecutions, they were there for one another. They knew who one another was. Their fellowship was based on charity, not bike rides in the park. Not barbecues. Not potlucks. They were actually scolded for their potlucks. Don't you guys have homes of your own? Are you really seeking the kingdom of God at hand? What we see that early church doing. If Sam Garad had stuck to selling his chickweed salve amongst other Amish who were seeking to be free of a system, because the Amish, they're already exempt from Obamacare because they were already taking care of one another. You guys aren't doing that. Half of you don't even take care of your own parents. Uh, I'm being generous with that. It's probably more than half. I don't know how many people are out there listening. You're certainly not taking care of the stranger in your midst. Oh, you might take care of those that you stumble on, but you're not actively seeking a kingdom government like Moses set up, like Jesus set up, because you're not even a part of a congregation. You don't give to that congregation on a regular basis. You don't giving the opportunity of your ministers of rightly dividing the bread from house to house. You want to have your festivals, but you don't even remember the ministers in your midst. I mean, people, you know, they, you know, I could tell you stories. We're going to have a festival this fall. We're going to have it, you know, uh, early on. I think it's September 1, 2, 3, 4, something like that. Uh, it's a burning bush festival. It's not exactly according to this calendar and that calendar, but it's the most convenient time for this high elevation and when we can get uh, people to come here. We would like to build it up to become a huge event, which is supposed to be not just for the believers, but for everybody it's not just for those who are in the network of charity called the kingdom of God, but it's for everyone. For all the communities around about you. It should be a festival, a fair, where everybody brings commodities and skills and shares those events and can have music and fellowship and all that on the side. And we could do that. We could do that in a big way. But what's the point if you're not going to gather together in a network of charity, which is what the way was all about? You see Paul doing it, collecting funds in in Galatia and taking them to Corinth and funds in Jerusalem and taking them to Syria and and helping one another out. Not just token helping out where everybody gets to eat on Christmas and Thanksgiving, but on a regular basis in a major crisis, they were there in a big way to help Christians. What people started seeing that this Christian stuff worked. 
People are leaving the Christian church. And that's why I was interested in the unchurch. They're leaving. They're, they find something wrong with church. But I don't see a lot of them actually seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness because they don't really know the wisdom of Christ. They like some of the things He says, but they're not doing what He said to do. You know, they usually object against the idea of a clergy. But anyway, you can go listen to our and read our page on the unchurched at Preparing You. This guy goes on to talk about uh, those who decry capitalism have likely never really seen it. That's true. The crony capitalist system in use today has arisen as a result of government interference and tampering in order to further the aims and interests of giant corporations and through the influence of particular industries in turn. Government agents and agencies have benefited mightily from their nefarious table setting for their financial benefactors. Then he goes on to say, Mr. Garrard is being punished for more than his stubbornness. He is being punished for defying the power of the state and for straying into the lane of a protected industry who won't tolerate any kind of outside interference. Too bad the Amish are separatists and pacifists, he says. They could be a powerful ally to the Patriot movement. Well, Patriot, Patriot comes from the word patri, which means father. So this is the father movement. They want to regulate the father of their society. This guy should take a hint from the separatist pacifist approach of the Amish because he, he, if he was really dedicated, I mean, he hit the nail on the head. They, Garad was coming into the marketplace that is exclusively the marketplace of the father state, the parents patria state. He was selling to the children of the state. This fellow is a child of the state. Now, I understand that he has a sense of justice and a sense of righteousness, and he has a fairly good perception here. But he and Garad should be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and should be setting up a system, a voluntary system, operating by faith, hope, and charity that takes care of all the social welfare needs of the people. And then his patriotism would be to the Father in heaven. And not to the fathers in Washington, which he thinks if we could overthrow and get the right fathers and the right Caesar in there, things would be okay. No, they would not be. David Mackel goes on and says the Constitution does not authorize Food and Drug Administration. Libertarians oppose all unconstitutional federal government activities. Food and Drug Administration is not an unconstitutional activity. No, it doesn't authorize a Food and Drug Administration. It it authorizes the power to contract. You see, you have contracted your way out of the liberty that the Constitution was meant to protect. The Constitution is extremely flawed. It's not a biblical document. And we'll get to that with the next guy, which is Ted R. Whelan, who had a comment on this 
um, section, this particular article. But the Constitution, the people were not a party to it. Their rights were not connected to the Constitution. The Constitution created rights for the government. And yes, it did not create the right for the Food and Drug Administration. The people created the right for the Food and Drug Administration when they began to eat at the table of the king and depend upon the king for their medical aid and social welfare. If they get sick from eating something, get paralyzed, or they can't work anymore, who's going to take care of them? Their daddy. So their daddy has a right to create a Food and Drug Administration. It's not doing the job, but they have a right to create a Food and Drug Administration to regulate what their children eat. It's doing a bad job. And it's poisoning their children. But they have that right because you've made the state your father. You patriots have made the state your father by neglecting the ways of Christ. We'll be right back. So, basically, we were talking about the the fact that uh, the federal government actually had a case against Gerard because of the fact that Gerard was trying to sell to the children that are dependent upon the federal government for their health and welfare. And if people would become less and less dependent upon the table of the rulers of the earth and the fathers of the earth, they would, by default have the opportunity to become more dependent upon the ways of God. And as they became more dependent upon the ways of God and more industrious in those ways, because you remember, it says the slothful shall be under tribute. Everybody's concerned about taxes and theft and everything. Taxes is justice. You should be taxed because you've been slothful in the ways of the kingdom. And the ways of the kingdom is that you sacrifice, and that sacrifice draws you near God. You sacrifice daily for the well. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your your contributions. You need to give to take care of the needy. You need to care about the other sheep as much as you care about yourself. And like I was talking about earlier at the the program about the scattered flock. I know what a scattered flock is like. I know what a flock... When I first began to herd sheep on the desert, I herd blackface sheep. Blackface sheep are farm sheep. They've been inside a fenced farm field so long, they have lost their gregarious nature, their natural gregarious nature of coming together. They've lost that. And they are more interested in filling their bellies than staying together. And 
fortunately, I was pretty young. I was a marathon runner, <laughs> and I I herded sheep with tennis shoes on. <laughs> and, uh, and we got through that. But as we developed our herd, which we have our own breed now, and uh, they're white-faced sheep. And they stick together. They have a gregarious nature. Once I headed them home, they all go together. And, you know, there could be improvements in that, but they stay together. And we've had a few blackface mixed in from time to time, and they, you know, we refer to them as Cora. And you've heard those stories, some of you are regulars, how they will lead a group of sheep off away from the herd. That's because they have some gregarious nature, but they don't have a kingdom nature. And that's what you see with a lot of the home churches. People want their little home church, their little Bible study, their little group, but they're not thinking kingdom. Kingdom includes Australia, Canada, Great Britain, Sweden, China, everywhere. We have to all be connected. Everybody who's really seeking the kingdom of God it's not that seek ye first the congregation of God, but the kingdom of God is seeking an international network of charity. The only way you can have that is to have a network of ministers. And those network of ministers must meet the qualifications of Christ. Which when I was talking to Peter Kershaw, which I mentioned earlier, that's where he balked. I got a great story about that. <laughs> that I always thought was humorous, but I won't tell it to you now. You have to come to the Burning Bush Festival maybe to hear that. <laughs> come and ask, I'll tell you there. But uh, the reality is seeking the kingdom means seeking that international network, which you see so clearly in the epistles with Paul and Barnabas right out of the box, sending guys all over right out of the box. They create this seven, maybe even eight, which is from the Old Testament, to help take care of the widows in Greece. And, of course, that would include Corinth and Galatia and and Athens and all sorts of places. That's what they were doing. They weren't just starting their little home churches and everybody, oh, well, we love Jesus and we think about Jesus and we have our doctrines and I don't agree with their doctrines so I don't want to have anything to do with them. Do you agree with faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty and taking care of one another and letting everybody have the right to work out their salvation with fear and trembling? Or do you want to create some little catchphrase that if everybody recites the magic phrase, you're in. If you don't, Recite the magic phrase, you're out. We're supposed to be even helping the strangers in our midst. And the Roman centurion. There but by the grace of God go you. You didn't figure this out. If you're beginning to understand what the kingdom of God looks like, it's because the grace of God has shown you. Because the whole world is going to go the other way. And is going the other way. Now there will be a large turnaround at the last. Right now... You got a question, have you turned around? Are you seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Now, see, Ted R. Weiland, who has his own ministry, and I've read some of his stuff, and, you know, he writes a lot of stuff, and I really haven't had a chance to go through all his stuff, and he hasn't gone through all mine, so we're even on that. 
but um, I, I see things that seem to be missing in his understanding of what he calls uh, the Bible's juridical system based upon Yahweh's perfect law and altogether righteous judgment. He says this is the kind of justice you're going to get and even worse when you abandon Yahweh's perfect law. When I hear him explaining what he thinks that perfect law is, I'm not 100% in agreement with what I'm hearing. But I, I, I admit that I haven't maybe given him as much time as I could, but I, I give an awful lot of time to all this and all these people. And if some of you would get your act together and start forming congregations and picking ministers and helping train those ministers up as good elders of congregations, free assemblies, then my work would get easier. <laughs> but as long as you want to run around like sheep and go, you know, over this hill or go over that hill or abandon the flock to get your own little flock to go off in this direction, you're going to keep me running around the desert trying to bring you all together again. And you're better than you used to be, some of you, some of you, some of you. But you got a long ways to go before I see kingdom here. But I've committed myself to feeding his flock. So here I am telling you how the kingdom works. Ted writes, according to Habakkuk, not only did the Chaldeans' authority originate with themselves, but so did their justice. And so does the justice of we the people. Has that all in caps. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice. He goes on to say, What an audacious assertion. Only Yahweh is just. Only He can establish justice. Well, that's not true. It is true, but it's not true. You are supposed to be establishing justice because Yahweh is supposed to be living in your heart and in your mind. Now, the question is, what would that look like? Would it look like we, the people, in the Constitution of the United States? Well, I've already written a book on that, which is free online, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitution, which shows that the Constitution is missing major items required according to biblical juridical systems (laughs) uh, to be in any Constitution if you decide to have a leader who can exercise authority. In other words, a chief executive officer. You were to put five things in a written constitution and read it to them every day. Only one of them is in the Constitution of the United States. So, yeah, the Constitution is extremely flawed. And if people would try to make themselves patriots of God instead of patriots of the government which they have created for themselves, they would be served better by their repentance. But anyway, which I agree with Ted on that. And I, I just I just don't see Ted doing what the early church did. But I see the early church doing what early Israel did. But I, I don't know if he's got that grasp yet. But anyway, he goes on making a comment about this article. Uh, quoting Psalms 89.14, Justice and judgment are the habitation of Yahweh's throne. Mercy and truth shall be before thy face. Well, 
The kingdom of God is supposed to be within you. If it is within you, then you are going to bring justice about by your actions. I don't see that happening. And I, I, I think that you would be given the wisdom of how to do that. If you are actually seeking that kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, the Amish see a lot of things, and I even hate labels like Amish, because all Amish are not the same. I mean, there, there's there's bickering and fighting and all that stuff amongst them. But in a general sense, they they have a lot of things correct. And the same as Ted probably got a lot of things correct. But you got to have the whole truth. You got to seek the whole kingdom. You can't just take, pick and choose what you want of the kingdom. Where is your daily ministration? Does Ted have a daily ministration? Does everybody who gathers in Ted's congregation seeking a system where they are entirely separate from the world and not dependent upon the table of kings in any way, shape, or form? Are they thinking about just building Ted Wyland's congregation? I don't know. I'm not accusing anybody. I just don't know. Or are they think seeking the kingdom of God? I mean, everybody who knows me, I am trying to get you to organize yourselves into the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. I don't want everybody looking to me all the time. I must diminish. Christ must increase. And that puts the responsibility upon the elders of the congregation and that is the head of every family is an elder. And then if you want to help with this kingdom of God at hand that is taking care of a vast network of charity, we will appoint elders you pick to do those jobs that we see the early church doing, that we see the Levites doing, the early Levites doing. The Levites at the time of Jesus Christ were not doing what the early Levites were doing. That's why Hoses, who was a Levite, abandoned that position as a Levite and became a Levite for the church. Sold the property, which he was not allowed to own in his own name, and laid the money at the foot of the apostles and became Barnabas. And we explain all that in the Free Church Report, which you can go to those studies. We'll start them up again this week. Ted goes on to say, Justice is defined as a quality of being just righteousness, equitableness, and moral rightness. Well, righteousness does it all. Seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And His righteousness is that you have to walk in forgiveness and walk in giving. You imagine a government that is operating entirely upon free will offerings. Where the army of that government is is basically pacifist. But I, I always remember an Amish fellow who had somebody who was in their house and thought they could get away with being in the house. And they, everybody in the house wanted the guy to leave. He was kind of a violent, argumentative sort of guy. And the Amish guy picked up a shotgun, pointed it at him, and says, Friend, I do not wish to harm you, but I'm about to fire this gun where you are standing. <laughs> and, and the guy left. Uh, he was a pacifist. He did not want to take up arms against people. But then again, there came a time where he had to do something. 
And uh, th- these are things we work out. We should want to be pacifists. And let God do our battle. The Israelites defeated the entire Egyptian army and did not have to raise the sword. But they had stepped out during the plagues, taking care of one another and even taking care of other Egyptians, which is why thousands of Egyptians left with them. Taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. That's what they were learning during those plagues. You're going to have those plagues. They're going to come suddenly. But you need to start practicing now. We need to start building that network now. Everybody should be becoming a part of a free will assembly, a free assembly. And contributing to those assemblies so that we can be about our Father's work. And then we would be patriots of God instead of patriots of men. He goes on to say their unwillingness to apply the same criterion to we the people is evidence of we the people is in need of God, indeed a God to them. Um, actually, I don't believe the Amish people were holding up the Constitution. Uh, Richard Mack probably was. Uh, another guy, I'm going to run out of time here, another guy who spoke up is Dave McElroy. I've, I've known David McElroy for a long time. The court goes on, he says, the court goes out of its way to punish a harmless Amish farmer for his old-fashioned herbal remedies not being labeled per FDA laws, but allows high-ranking government people to behave like lawless criminals that even murder people, sexually abuse children, and steal billions of tax dollars without so much as a whimper. Of complaint. There is no justice in America. Well, there is justice in America. And what you're seeing, this corruption you're seeing in the government, this abuse you're seeing in the government, is justice. Because we have been slothful in the ways of God. Because we aren't coming together. Like I said, think about this. If everyone out there who claims to be a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, We're striving daily to create an international network of charity so that not one Christian had to go to the tables of Rome, the tables of men who exercise authority one over the other, to apply for the benefits of men who claim to be benefactors but exercise authority one over over another. If if all the Christians were striving daily to create that network of charity, there would be all kinds of justice in America. That would be what you would want to see. But you're not going to see that. But that doesn't mean that that's unjust. That is the result of slothful people who say they believe, but are not doers of the word. Who are not coming together to feed my sheep, to take care of one another, to love one another in faith, hope, and charity. They're coming together to talk about their created idols, which is the image of God that they have created in their own mind through their personal doctrines and private interpretations of the Bible. They'll come together to get that. 
you know, it's one of the things you see amongst the the people that I, I happen to notice. That the, there's all these videos out of people, you know, like they've outlawed people using the wrong pronouns for people and they're creating in other countries non-gender related pronouns so that you don't offend anybody. Because all these people who have this gender identity problems, they need confirmation. They need other people to concede to their disorder, to their dysphoria, and accept their dysphoria. They need other people to accept that. And when other people reject that, oh, they're just destroyed and they're all falling apart. Faith in God doesn't require that. I don't need... What was it? Morpheus just said... <laughs> My beliefs don't require that you believe <laughs> I don't need that. Uh, I know that America, America doesn't need to pray for justice. It's getting justice. It needs to pray for mercy. But if it wants to be heard in its prayer for mercy, it needs to have mercy for others. One of the common mind blocks that I see in the mental blocks, the stumbling blocks, whatever you want to call it, that I see is that people don't want to see their part in creating the system that they have. They say, I paid into the system. I have a right to take the benefits. There is no money. If you're taking benefits, if you're seeking the benefits, if you're counting on the benefits, you're counting on somebody forcing your children and grandchildren to pay for your welfare. That's what you're doing. You're counting on the benefactors who exercise authority. You need to forgive the fact that they squandered the money that you've put in their treasury. Thieves and robbers have already eaten it up and consumed it. They're operating on borrowed money and they actually have been from the day one. The countries, you know, they talk about it balancing the budget once, which isn't actually true. Uh, you haven't had a solvent government since 1837. It's been operating in the red since 1830. When you signed up for Social Security back in 1933, your parents signed up, your grandparents signed up. They were saying, I know you're broke, but we want benefits at the expense of our neighbor. <laughs> you're doomed. You're getting, You're now reaping the rewards of that injustice. There is justice in America. You just don't want to admit that you've been slothful in the ways of God. You have not been righteous. You've been enmeshed in, in covetous practices. Uh, another fellow, uh, John Carlton, wrote, Should the common man be forced to submit to the elite's corporate uh, administrative law? He says, not, not, no, but hell no. Um, no, wrong. You should be forced because you've been unrighteous. You've been slothful. You should be under tribute. You want to change that, you have to start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, you're not going to get there. You, you can't bring it about. Your works aren't going to make it happen. But if you seek it, like the prodigal son, 
If you turn around and try to go back to be a servant in your father's house, a contributor to your father's house, a sacrificer in your father's house, God will run out and meet you halfway and he can set you free again. But if you're going to continue doing your own thing, with your own private interpretation, creating your own image of Christ and His kingdom, and not coming together in an international network of charity, where when you contribute, you're contributing to people you don't even know. I mean, you contribute to a minister that you know, but then you know he's going to give to somebody you don't know. The red button in reverse. Because you have to love those who don't even know who you are. You have to do that if there's going to be grace. Because it says, what grace have you if you only love those who love you? If you're only charitable with those who are charitable with you? You must reach out beyond what benefits you. Or you will remain in bondage. And God will not hear you when you cry out. I see people crying out here, but I don't see people wanting to know the whole truth. Gregory Allen, it says Gregory Allen of Johnson. I don't know if this is the Gregory Allen that I know, but uh, about the only thing left in challenging those with the guns and badges to become cold-blooded murderers by demanding they either shoot us dead or leave us alone. Well, I don't think we have to go there yet. But you have to be willing to die. You have to be willing to lay down your life. And then it will be God who protects you. Uh, he says, Garad was unlawfully arraigned. Well, I don't know if that's true. Tried, convicted, and sentenced without a contract. Yeah, but he was selling to the children of the state. You don't have the right to sell to my children. He was living by Sui Jersh. Well, he wasn't Sui Jersh because his father's still alive. And I could go on and on about this. But uh, we'll have another program this afternoon that might touch on this. But until then, peace upon your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www. 
www.hisholychurch.net.